But tonight, the Lord wants to give you and me and all of us hope and health. Write that down, because we could use a healthy dose, couldn't we? You got something on that, that makes you want to have some hope? You got something going on that makes you need help? Listen in. Hope from Jesus' sacrifice and what that sacrifice did for us. We're going to talk about it. Help from the Spirit. He now fills us with a life not lived in our own power, but by the power of God's Spirit. That, that's where we're headed tonight. What are we even talking about this quarter? Joining God's story. Um, how did Abraham join God's story? How did Moses join God's story? How did Isaiah join God's story? We've looked at all that. And last week, Jonah. How did Jonah join God's story? We know for Abraham, he left his country, his people, his family. Can you imagine leaving all that and going to the place that God was going to tell you about later? Yeah. Moses did not want to cooperate with God. Any of you ever not want to cooperate with God? I find myself sometimes not wanting to cooperate. Isaiah experienced the very presence of God and thought for sure God would wipe him out. But what happened instead? God cleansed him. And Isaiah volunteered to be a spokesperson for God. Million dollar question. Have you been cleansed? Jonah was so filled with nationalism and hatred for the Ninevites, he refused to join God's story. God used him anyway after some tough love pressure to lead all the Ninevites to repentance. Another hard question. What tough love is God using you for? So what's our quarter-long theme? Joining God's story. Who's going to join it tonight? Jesus and us. Okay. i got to tell a story. Have you guys ever really, really, like really not wanted to do something? Okay. Carol and I were pretty young. Our kids were pretty young. And Carol volunteered me to work an eight-hour shift on my one day off a week to raise money for the Ellensburg Christian School, which she helped start. Oh, she said she'd already committed me to go work at the rifle range to, to shoot the, the, what do you call those, the clay pigeons up there. I shot clay pigeons really bad. I'm pretty much an expert now, and I pretty much hate it. Okay, it was one of the worst days of my life in our young marriage. I needed a day off. I was exhausted. I was drained from the week, and without asking me, I had been volunteered. Whoo! I think I eventually forgave Carol. <laughs> and I think she learned that she needed to ask me first in advance before she committed me. Oh, we really didn't want to serve the Lord that day, but we ended up with a pretty good reward of earning a lot of money for the Christian school, so I guess that was pretty good. Did you know life is going to be filled, not just punctuated, but filled with 
there's lots of stuff we don't want to teach. I don't know why they don't teach you that in kindergarten. And in first grade and second grade and get us ready for the reality. There's just stuff we don't want to do. Because we are I don't want to words. Did you know that about yourself? Your life motto is I don't want to. Think about it for a minute. Maybe this week. Try to watch yourself. How many times do you say I don't want to? Yeah. So perhaps the most difficult part of the story was forgiving Carol as a young husband. But who was I not to forgive her when God had forgiven me for all of my sin? Yeah. Transitioning the story into the message, did Jesus ever have to do something that he really, really, really didn't want to do? Turn with me to Matthew 26, verse 36. And we're going to read a story about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Anybody been there? Right across the Kidron Valley from the Eastern Gate of Jerusalem? Olive Grove? Okay. Starting verse 36 of Matthew 26. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. You ever been that way? Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed. How many have ever felt that way? Ooh, my soul is overwhelmed, Jesus said, with sorrow to the point of death. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a lot of sorrow. Stay here. Keep watch with me, guys. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground. And he prayed, my father, if this is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping. I wonder if he kind of moved their pillows, kicking them. I don't know. (laughs) Couldn't you have, couldn't you men keep watching me for just one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and he prayed. Listen to what he prayed. My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away once more, and he prayed a third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come. The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. really thought about this story? This is a story wherein we learn that Jesus really, really, really does not want to go to the cross. 
brutally crucified. This is not the Garden of Eden, not the Garden of Love and Well-Being, but this is the Garden of Terror and Extreme Choice for Jesus. What does Jesus do? He's in the garden. He's taken his guys with him for support. He knows that he is going to be facing the most terrifying death that anybody on earth has ever experienced or would ever experience. Yes, other people had been crucified. It was the Roman way of intimidating the people. Just hang people up on crosses and everybody will do what you say. But the terror for Jesus was he knew something. He knew that your sins and my sins and everybody's sins, past, present, and for forthright was going to come to an end. <coughs> Look at verse 38. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. What's Jesus going through? Let's try to understand it. Sorrow is defined, I looked it up, <coughs> as deep distress caused by loss. Sorrow is deep distress caused by loss. Jesus lost a bunch of things, at least four that I counted. Number one, he lost all his friends. He developed a three-year friendship with some guys that he loved and they loved him. They were close. His death would mean he lost them. What else did he lose? That close, intimate relationship with his father. Listen to this next line. The closest relationship that has ever existed in the history of relationships. A perfect relationship. A perfect relationship between God the Father and God the Son and the Spirit. And he was going to lose that. And sin cuts one off from God. He's going to be cut off from God. What else did he lose? He lost all peace. There was no way to get any peace in that garden on any of the trip he took all the way to that cross was nothing but distress and terror. All his hope, the fourth thing, was gone. Wow. Watch his response. He falls prostrate on his face. I looked up what emotion is demonstrated by falling on your face. Falling on your face is symbolic of death, of dying. He's overwhelmed to the point of being unable to stand or rise. He's like a dead man. Imagine shaking so much, being discombobulated so much, you cannot even get up. What else? What other emotions symbolize that being prostrated in the face? Complete submission to another. Then there's this whole cup thing that he prays. Father, God, if you can, you know, take this cup from me. What is this cup? It's the cup of extreme suffering. 
that he's going through, not only in the garden, but on the travel to the cross and then being crucified and then having all the sin of the world poured into him and then being cut off from his people. Whew. Are you in the garden with him now? Are you getting an idea of what he is going through? Think about this for a minute. When we grasp the cost the garden was to Jesus, we can begin to embrace the cost it is to us of our own sins to live in freedom Next slide. Did you notice the change in his prayer from verse 39 to 42? In 39, he prays, Father, if it is possible, what's the next time around? Something has happened. He says, if it is not possible. He's realizing, it's dawning on him what must be done. So why does he keep praying? Was he like us, just not wanting to do what God wants us to do? Or was he like us in our best moment when we want to do the right thing but have no strength to do it? Or perhaps Jesus was moving from I don't want to to I must And he needed the Father's support. He needed God's supernatural intervention to have the strength to go through with it. Maybe, maybe in his overwhelmed, exhausted, physically beaten condition, he had nothing left. And in that moment, he knew that only God could do it in him, do it through him. find it very difficult to go on? Do you maybe sometimes just give in? Jesus threw all of his need onto the Father. And then something happened. He stood. He got up. When Jesus finally resolved to go to the cross, the Father empowered him in that moment by the Spirit to fulfill his mission. Listen to this, family. The same Father who empowered Jesus will empower you each time you need it, each time you resolve Would you like to know the secret of Jesus' sinless life? More excitement. Tough crowd tonight. Jesus' secret was not so much saying no each time he was tempted. Think about that. It was not him saying no every time he was tempted. Well, then what was it? It was him saying yes. Each time God prompted him. 
Could that be a secret for you and I? Not living a life trying to avoid temptation, but trying to embrace the life of listening for his prompting and vexation in us. Does that change things up a bit? His heart, his mind, his will had been so oriented to do whatever the Father wanted him to do. In John 5, 19 and 5, 30, we read these words, and this is a prompt for you to turn there. I don't even know if it's up there. So John 5, 19, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, chapter 5, verse 19. And also verse 30. What does 519 say? Go ahead. nothing by himself he can only do what he sees the father doing because whatever the father does the son does also would you love to develop a a relationship with the father so close that you were noticing what he was doing and choosing to do it with him that's the offer that's the offer the scripture holds out to us look at verse 30 Jesus says this, by myself I can do nothing. Maybe there's a secret. By myself I can do nothing. Are you trying to do it by yourself? Oh, (laughs) write that one down. Um, I judge only as I hear, my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. Jesus is our example of how we are to live for God, how we are to image him, how we are to join his story. Didn't Jesus say, follow me? So figure out where his steps are walking and put your feet right in them. Next slide. What's the Lord been talking to you about through these Tuesday messages? How about through the spring camp out that you did? Through core. What's he saying to you through your core? How about your one-on-one? Sunday church. Your alone times with God when you're trying to talk to him, read his Bible. Does some of the stuff he is talking to you about seem impossible? Or at least unpleasant. Or maybe unacceptable to you. Can I give you a hint? A little bit only, maybe. But following Jesus is wild. There's a lot of impossible and pleasant and even acceptable to him. Not a few. so close to God you could see what he was doing and then you do it hey 
saying don't start developing a whole bunch of new sins right now, okay? They're really hard to get rid of. Oh, he'll forgive you. Okay, do you think that the same Jesus who endured the garden and the cross will help you endure the unpleasant, the things that don't seem so acceptable, the things that might seem painful? Do you think he will help you? I know the answer. I believe the answer. Now, it's not easy. I'm not always victorious. Are you? You ever screw up? I'm pretty good at it. Life sometimes looks like three steps forward, two back, or three steps back, two forward. I, I mean, and does he know that that's how it's going to be? Huh. He knows everything. He, we don't make him scratch his head. There's another slide. Mm. What did Jesus' sacrifice accomplish in the God's story, in the story that God is inviting all of us into? What happened on that cross? Well, a bunch of stuff. I'll talk later. And if you're so inclined, turn to Isaiah chapter 53, 5 and 6, because I think this says a lot about what it is. Jesus going to the cross. Isaiah 53, verses 5 and then um, verse 6. This is the prophet looking forward way into the future, the time when Jesus would go to the cross. This is what he says. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Fancy word for sins. And punished, excuse me, and the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. He was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Jesus and our sins were nailed to the cross forever. Now, you, kn you already knew that Jesus was nailed to the cross. But have you got it in your inner knowing that your sins were nailed to the cross beside Jesus? Your sins were nailed there forever. Okay, they cannot be unnailed from the cross and stuck back on you and me. But sometimes uh, the devil and all of his evil spirits are trying to tweak our brains and get us to think that God doesn't love us, that our sins aren't forgiven or that he can't forgive the next one. Has that ever happened to you besides me? He was crushed for our iniquities. Our sins crushed Jesus to death. The weight of my sins, 
was unbearable. The weight of your sins, the world's sins, was unbearable to be carried. Or was it? Mary and Martha were told, went to the tomb on the third day and found that the stone had been rolled away and they heard that the angel uh, told them that he wasn't there, that he had risen from the dead. Apparently, the sin crushed him, but they didn't continue to crush him. What's this all about? What is this death working backwards? Death could not hold the one who had never sinned. The one who had never sinned could not be kept in the tomb. Death was defeated by the only one who could sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21, memorize it. You'll, you'll get a lot of mileage out of it. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that in him we, had, we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus was wounded for my healing, wounded for your healing. And like Melissa said last week, <coughs> we're all dying from the chasm and the cancer of sin. But not anymore. When we believe in Jesus, we are healed of our sin problem. Our cancer of sin is cut out of us. The Apostle Paul says it this way in Romans 6.6. 6. Romans 6.6. 6. Our old self was crucified with Jesus in order that sin's dominion over the body may be abolished so that we are no longer slaves of sin. The chemo of the cross killed our sin. It's gone. The cancer is dead. Family, you are forgiven. You are in right standing with God. Right now. does not have to rule over us anymore. What else did Jesus' sacrifice accomplish? It erased the gap of separation between us and God. Isaiah 59, verse 2. Isaiah 59, 2. Our iniquities, the verse says, separated us from God. Our sins have hidden his face from us. But Jesus was pierced. Jesus was crushed and wounded for us to delete our sin. And then the trash was empty. And then the cash was left. The beach God's original good plans for us can be restored. We can now image him. We can now rule with him on this earth. What did Jesus' sacrifice accomplish? It altered the death penalty issued to all humankind in Genesis 2.17, where God says, hey, you can eat from any tree in the garden, but there's this one tree that I don't want you to eat from. Just don't do it because you do just die. The Garden of Eden story tells us that disobedience to God leads to death. 
But what does Romans 6.23 say? It puts it this puts it this way. Yes, the wages of sin is what? But the free gift of God is what? Eternal life. Sin gets swapped for eternal life. What is God saying to you? Is he poking around? He's poking around in this. I think he's poking around in all of us. Are we listening? How did Jesus' sacrifice change things for you or not? Write this down. It changed our death penalty into eternal life. The biblical view of hell is outer darkness, where you're totally alone. Or the pain of burning in fire. Do either of you feel that? Thank you, Jesus. We do not have to be separated from God. We can choose to be forgiven and align our will with his and live forever. Ooh, but there's more good news. What power does Jesus give us now that he's been crucified and resurrected from the dead? Woo! Yes. How does he enable us to overcome old patterns of sinning? The Holy Spirit. How does he empower us to complete the task that God has put before us? The Holy Spirit. How does he help us live with ourselves day in and day out? Holy Spirit. How does he help us live with our neighbor day in and day out? The Holy Spirit. Do you know what it says in Luke 24, 49? <laughs> Let's just turn there and see what it says. I can see you guys do not have the Bible memorized yet. Okay. Fine. Luke twenty four forty nine. Seriously? Oh man. Can't pull anything over on you guys. He told his disciples this is what is written the Messiah will suffer, rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Aha, verse 49. I'm going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. He has given us the ability to seek and to receive the power of God himself. Are you seeking? Are you receiving? Did you know that Ephesians 5.18 says this? Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. God knows that we often leak, so we need to be filled again. The verb tense in, in Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Spirit, is the ongoing verb tense. Be filled now and keep being filled with the Spirit. So 
that means we need to seek and receive. Seek and receive. Seek and receive. Third thing, Romans 8.13 shows us how very much God is playing for keeps. It says in Romans 8.13 that if we follow the leading of our sinful nature, we will die. But if by the Spirit we put to death the misdeeds of our sinful nature, put to death, (laughs) we get to kill something. Remember that camp out we went on, some of us? The Lord was talking to you, wasn't he, about maybe killing some things and uh, like attitudes and and ways of life. Uh, He was encouraging me to to die, to kill my complaining attitudes. Oh, dear. (sighs) I had to realize his answer was way better than mine. And his timing actually does work. What was he prompting you to die to? Or what is he prompting you to die to? Okay. Okay, we're almost done. But I just have to show you Richard Scarry's Pig Will and Pig Won't. I've been married to an elementary school teacher for a long time. Some of you elementary ed people might know about Richard Scarry and his pig will. Well, I wish we could read the whole book, but I can see my time is up. Let it suffice to say that Pig Won't never did what his parents asked him to do. They asked him to take out the garbage. He said, I won't, said Pig Won't, that kind of a thing. Pig will, they asked him, you know, to wash the dishes, and he says, I will. Ah, the book is full of things that they will and they won't. Oh, great literature. (laughs) I love that book. I can relate to it. Any of you? By the Holy Spirit, pig won't in us becomes pig will. Get it? Okay. Oh, you got to write this stuff down too. I mean, this this just took me forever. Okay, just we're almost done. Just write it down. Okay. Nod if you can do it. Okay. Jesus took one road out of the garden. Can you get that down? You know how they test people on their ability to listen. Jesus took one road out of the garden. Which road? The road that travels from resistance to responsibility. Road that travels from resistance to responsibility. And because Jesus took that road to the cross, Through the cross, through burial and resurrection, that road now leads all who will follow to a long lost garden called Eden. The garden of Gethsemane, the Eden garden. 
to our peace on earth, the real responsibility for ruling the earth for God, the removal of the serpent forever, and the endless life without sin, without temptation. The good deeds that God has planned for us to do on earth can now be fulfilled, like it says in Ephesians 2.10. We were created as God's workmanship to do good deeds, which he prepared in advance for us to pursue. And the Spirit enables us to cooperate with God's plan. Think about the choice in the Garden of Gethsemane. What is God's spirit telling you he will do to help you cooperate? Father, thank you. You will help us. And finally, the spirit enables us to have the character of Jesus to be able to image God. Galatians 5.22, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In conclusion, kept cutting and cutting and cutting. Okay. In conclusion, what did the Lord say to you tonight about the hope he has for you? There's not going to be a slide up there. Don't worry. What did the Lord say to you about the What did he say to you about saving you from your sin? What did he say to you about difficult choices? As the worship team comes, write them down. Have real conversation with God about it. Ask him to empower you by his spirit to do that.